Welcome to Happily Ever After is just the beginning. Keeping your relationship not just together, but happy, and we mean truly happy, is part art and part science. You've come to the right place. Here's your host, Leslie Dorries. For those of you who've listened to me for a while, you know that I don't like using the word work in connection with marriage. It reminds me too much of plowing the back 40 in 100-degree heat and 100% humidity. I live in the South, after all. But marriage isn't necessarily easy, but it should be something that's dreaded, especially if you're currently in one. Now, the alternative, not putting any effort into it at all, is also a recipe for failure. Nothing thrives on neglect, and relationships are no different. Like most things, the answer lies somewhere between these two extremes. But how do you get there? So to help answer that question, I'm joined by couples counselor and self-described clinical nerd on all things relationship and trauma, which I love that description, Ryan Breen. Thank you, Ryan, so much for being on the show. Thank you, Leslie. I'm glad to be here. So clinical nerd on all things relationship and trauma. I love that. (laughs) Great description. And and it it will be a whole other show to talk about the relationship between relationship and trauma, but I think on some level that's also going to show up in, in this conversation a little bit. But you recently wrote a piece called A Better Way to Think About Love for the Good Man for the Good Men Project. Can you define what you meant by a better way to think about love? Yeah, I mean, I kind of, when I, when I you know, think about that, that question, it goes back to what you said a minute ago about how do you get there, because how do you get mm-hmm. there sort of uh, tied up in, in that better way definition, I think, because, you know, one of the things that, that I have to do um, in, in my work and my practice is, is, you know, people are coming in for, for relationship counseling, marriage counseling, and they're they're coming in you know late to the game because they're they're already experiencing problems and they're experiencing frustrations and so you're you're having to sort of uh, deconstruct their expectations uh, and unravel uh-huh. sort of their thinking to get down to the to the sort of fundamental human needs that that have sort of always been there, but but not but not in their purview you know not not in their lens, and um, yeah, I think you know the, the the easy short answer which ends up meaning nothing once it comes out of my mouth is, you know, that, you know, love is unconditional. What does that mean? Because, you know, the human brain is not necessarily wired uh, to to get a good grasp of what that actually means. I mean, it knows it when it feels it, right? It knows it when it experiences that kind of love and that unconditional regard and acceptance, but it doesn't really, um, it's not looking for it. And and I think part of the reason why is because it requires vulnerability. And this goes into that word trauma and, 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 you know, everybody on some spectrum, on some, on some spectrum has experienced some, some trauma, you know, and we generically call it wounds or childhood wounds, things like that. Um, uh-huh. But, you know, when, when a person's needs are not getting met, uh, you know, you're, you're left with, with, with wounds that, that need defending. And so we kind of operate in, in, in a defensive posture, and we don't think we do that. We don't think we operate that way, um, you know, uh-huh. on, in our conscious mind, but, but we really do operate from a sort of a defensive stance. Um, and we've constructed some, some cognitive defenses um, around those wounds to help protect us from, from feeling it um, and re-experiencing it. And we have this narrative that runs that it kind of explains the pain or makes sense of it. Um, it makes sense of the internal experience, but it puts a lot of onus for that experience that we're feeling. Um, it puts a lot of onus on the present moment where, unfortunately, it doesn't 
all belong. You know what I mean? It's, it's really, it, it, it's tying that past and present sort of together so I can understand myself in the present moment in the context of who I am up to, up to that point. But I have to have a sort of solid narrative, uh, a running narrative, a, a running life story to sort of be able to make sense of that. Otherwise, uh, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to act out in my, in my present situation. Right, and, 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 this, and this, concept, this concept of love is something that, I mean, it's, you know, you, you, can, you can go into, I don't know how many different types of love have supposedly been categorized. Um, you know, there's romantic love, there, you know, there's, there's all different kinds of love. And, you know, we use that, we use that word um, all the time for all kinds of different things. And so I think in some ways it, it diminishes what it mean it diminishes what it means but i also think it can be confusing about what it means and you know in your article you were talking about um, you know that one of one of the common ways of thinking about love is that it's a feeling and and i know that there are many of us in the in the relationship field of yeah it's a feeling but it's also a verb <laughs> it's it's also action um, and, you know, and, 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 it can be, and it can be confusing because when we're talking about unconditional love, that's, it, you know, people go, well, that means you just, you know, you have to, you have to love my behavior too. It's like, no, I don't. I can love you and not like your behavior. But it, it really is this confusing term. So, you know, what's a better way to think about love? I, I, th- I think the better way to think about love is to think about it as, as, a, as an experience that we create. Um, mm-hmm. But I, 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 think, I think, again, the, 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 it's, it's hard to get to that, like to define it. For me, it's hard to really define it. Um, when you have somebody you know, sitting in front of you who's struggling and it's like, I don't think I love that person anymore. I don't, I don't think we're in love. Mm-hmm. It's just not there. I don't have these mm-hmm. feelings. And, and that person is, is not recognizing that, that isn't the point. That isn't the first point. We, we, we want it to be. We want it to be about those feelings and feeling good about everything, but we just, that's, I, I almost look at what they're talking about, you know, is, is, not, is not love itself. It's, it, it, can, it feels like it. I mean, I, I guess we call it that, but it's, it's, a, it's, um, it's produced by engaging in the act of love. It's produced mm-hmm. by engaging in the act of love, and it requires relationships because we're because we're relational at our core. And so you 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 know what I mean? It's 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 a it's a circular process. It's not linear. Mm-hmm. It's not this thing that I just I get and and somehow it just happens and I feel good about it. Um, it's it's something that we really have to engage in, and by engaging in it, by by engaging in that process of growth, um, that's tied to that, and it, it it's going to eventually produce the feelings of satisfaction that we're really looking for in our relationship that we happen to be calling love. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so, so you mentioned a couple of things in, in your response, and which kind of leads into the, uh, something else that I found in your article. And so what exactly is the connection between love, needs, and growth? You described it as kind of this circular, um, created experience can you talk a little bit more about that yeah i mean so i i think we all need to be to be loved and i look at it like the best example that we can all step back and look back at is like a child a baby you know a baby's born Mm -hmm. and has all these needs and 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 the way that a baby experiences love is by having these needs met 
And those mm-hmm. needs ideally are met, un- are met unconditionally, right? A parent doesn't have a checklist of things for a child to be like in order for them to get their diaper changed, to get food given to them, to be, you know, to be played with and things like that. A parent sort of mm-hmm. initially does that, and, and the child doesn't earn that love. And then, we, you know, we kind of grow into adults, and, and, and we forget that, that's, that that doesn't really change. Um, we, we, we need that, that unconditional uh, response to our needs. Um, but, you know, the, the laws of attraction, I think, are funny because, you know, my partner's needs um, and my needs are, are, are kind of, again, they're hidden under that cognitive web of expectations that I've kind of uh-huh. created to, to, to protect myself. But um, my, my partner's needs, for instance, are always going to be um, hard to deliver on because the act of meeting them is, is going to challenge me in, in, in my weaknesses. It, it's going to penetrate. Their needs are going to penetrate my, my defenses, you know, and I think that's what intimacy does, it's what, especially in marriage where, you know, theoretically you, you should have, you know, you, the idea is that you have no escape. So I'm always describing <laughs> yeah. it as like, as like, it's, it's like, it's like you're locking yourself in a room with no doors and no windows and, and you got to kind of figure it out and, and your partner's going to have these needs and they're going to come out in ways that aren't clear to you. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and maybe but not even gonna, clear what, to them. What's that? Maybe not even clear to them. They may not even know what their own needs are. Absolutely. Maybe exactly. Maybe not even clear to them. And so that that therein lies this process that we have to engage in. It's that creative process of uncovering these these things that are that are that are buried under layers of of how we think and how we act on the world. And so um, there's a lot of meaning behind our behaviors and, and behind the way that we think and the way that we talk. A lot of meaning that is is yet to be uncovered by ourselves and our partners. And that's the beautiful sort of process that if we engage in. That's the process through which we experience the satisfaction, um, the connection, the security that, you know, goes into feeling like we're, like we're in a loving relationship. And, you know, I love this, this description that you have about that it's about growth. And, you know, a lot of times, and I'm sure, I'm sure you hear this in your office or with your clients when, you know, you, you ask them, you know, what they want, and they go, it's like, I, I, I want to make my partner happy. And it's like, okay, first off, you can't do that. Happiness is an inside job. But, but <laughs> marriage really, you know, marriage isn't really about happiness. It truly is about growth. And I don't think, yeah. that, I don't think we talk about that. You know, it's like, and I think that's where people get this idea that it's hard work because they don't understand that it's actually an inherent part of the process. And, and I would argue that's, that growth is what comes from any relationship. Yeah. I mean, any relationship that, we're, that we are, you know, acting authentically in, any relationship that we're being honest in, um, that we're not just using to serve certain, you know, certain needs, I mean, and we're not just acting out in, um, you know, putting out certain personas. I mean, I know we have different layers of relationships out there, um, mm-hmm. but the, but 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 being but being triggered and uncomfortable is is part of a real a real real relationship. It's part of a real authentic growing relationship. Not just again the, the growth of the relationship to me. What I've come to look at it like this is that the growth of the relationship is, is a byproduct of my individual growth and my partner's individual growth. So. But mm-hmm. but my individual growth is not dependent on on my partners, but it's my starting point. So I, I have to really look at this from from a place of of, of personal growth and development. And, and so you know when people do come into into, into therapy, and even in my own life, it's like it's I, I say to them, I'll say something like, you know, 
what I'm going to do is I'm, I'm going to de-romanticize everything that you thought about. I'm going to take all that romance and fluffy feeling stuff out of it. And what I really want to do is I, is I want to extract two, two individuals from this so-called relationship. And I want, to, I want you guys to step back and look at this whole relationship process as it relates back to you individually. Mm-hmm. And, and, and when we start walking through that process and painting that picture, suddenly we, we, start, we start getting back into, well, well, what are these needs that you've had unmet for, how, for so long? And we're able mm-hmm. to, without a doubt, without a doubt, we're able to trace back, you know, to these unmet needs and the way that they're related to in their, in their childhood. And they're able to sort of say, oh, wow, yeah, I have been doing this unconsciously for, for 20, 30 years or whatever in my life. It's been there before I met this person. Mm-hmm. And then we can begin. Then we can begin to change the narrative around how you're experiencing the relationships. And now we're not describing it as I'm not getting my needs met, or you're not doing, you're not doing, you're not doing. And we can we can turn mm-hmm. that into into actual. Uh, actually, I can I can begin to express my needs in a way that's authentic to what's really going on under the surface, which is tied to my need to grow. So, can you give some examples? Um, I mean, I have, you know, I I talk about needs as well in when I work with my clients, but can you, can you give some examples about what, what we're talking about when, or what you're talking about when you, when you mention these, these needs that people have? Because, I mean, we're talking about, I mean, yes, obviously, you know, I always go back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And, of course, right. you know, what I tell people is, is everybody at the bottom level of that pyramid is the same. We all need air. We all need a certain temperature. We all need food. We all need to be protected from the elements. Everybody on the planet in, in that respect has the same needs. But then when we get into these other things, this is when it gets complicated. So what are some of the other things that, that fall into that category of needs? Yeah, I, I think that, well, I mean, I guess the, the, the framework that a lot of people are familiar with um, is, are like the five love languages. Mm-hmm. And it, it that that tends to be a good a good conversation point because everybody's heard of it or they're familiar with mm-hmm. it, um, and, and or they've read the books and, and whatever. Mm-hmm. And so um, it, it's interesting because even in my own life, like like I'm a words of affirmation person. I'm 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 a hundred percent words of affirmation. I I have no need for anything else. I'm I'm good on everything else. Um, mm-hmm. and, and and my wife though she is absolutely the opposite. She is not. And so mm-hmm. for a long time, even in our marriage, it was like. I was trying to get her to play by these rules of like, you know, say I love you, say goodbye, uh-huh. say like, 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 you know, I mean, I, I would be coaxing her to like do these things that, um, and she was just not comfortable doing it. And I, I didn't understand why at first. Um, uh-huh. But I also know, but, but, I, you know, her own traumatic experience kind of taught her that words, words had very little value. People don't mean what they say. And so she's exactly. a show me kind of person. She's a mm-hmm. show me person. And again, not, not, not knowing that, I spent a lot of time offended and I thought that she wasn't following the rules and she wasn't doing the uh-huh. right thing. And, and, I, and I, was, I was offended. But I find out that, you know, she's really a quality time and gifts person. And, and those things are absolutely foreign to me. And the thought of, like, spending money on things just because it's a, you know, like it's a, it's a, it's a gift and, uh-huh. and spending money on something, that, that, something that's not practical is just uh-huh. anxiety provoking. It's anxiety provoking, and so uh-huh. so what you realize is is that you're running into some insecurity. There's a way I see things that holds it all together for me and makes me feel like I'm in control. And my partner comes along and is challenging that that thing, and I, I can defend it to the death, but it's to the death of the relationship. You know, it's not going to be uh, it's not going to be it's not going to be helpful. I'm not going to get her to learn to just receive love my way. And so. Right. 
you have to challenge you have to challenge that. So you're challenging your own anxiety, and it's not going to make sense logically. It's going to be uncomfortable. But then I think, okay, let me just do this, and it hurts a little bit, but I do it, and then I experience, and then she experiences this this love. She experiences the value because it's going through her lens, and suddenly. It, it, it produces the the the, the, cha- the the growth inside of me and the need being met for her, and then those two things work together. So suddenly, I have this internal, this intrinsic need. I have an intrinsic need now to meet her needs, not just because I'm this uh, this unconditionally altruistic individual, but because I'm okay. also growing from it, and I and I like to grow. And I and I and now that I'm feeling that growth, I have this sort of twofold reason to do it for my own growth and for her. So this is Happily Ever After. It's just the beginning on webtalkradio.net. I'm Leslie Dorries, and I'm talking love with fellow relationship counselor Ryan Green. And has the expression, I love you, but I'm not in love with you, ever made an appearance in your life? Because quite frankly, being on either end of that statement hurts. But it and the motivation behind it don't have to happen. Keeping your love alive and thriving is possible, and if you'd like some help with that, then Give me a call or send me an email and schedule your free, no obligation, create your happily ever after discovery session today. You can reach me at area code 919-924-0463. Again, that's 919-924-0463. Or you can send me an email at leslie, L-E-S-L-I, at foundationscoachingmc.com. That's F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N-S coaching, and is in Nancy, C is in charlie.com. And right now I want to get back um, to talking with Ryan Green about relationships and growth and love and all these wonderful things that we all want out of life. And Ryan, um, in your article you talked about thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. And so what, how are those connected and how do they come into play in our relationships? Yeah, that's, you know, it's, it's interesting because that, that whole cognitive behavioral therapy sort of framework of how thoughts, feelings, and behaviors, you know, play off each other. You know, it's that mm-hmm. my, my, you know, when we're looking at people are coming in and, or they're feeling frustrated in the relationship because of how they feel about it. And, mm-hmm. and, and they're trying different ways to think about it, obviously, and people try make many different efforts uh, to, to do better. Um, in, in some ways, but they don't, they don't put it all together. And, and, it, and it's hard because you, you, you kind of got to put it all together. But, um, you know, I think, I think we're all kind of trapped in this way of thinking, at least initially, that just says my feelings are being caused by, you know, whatever environmental thing I'm experiencing, right? So that, that puts us in this uh-huh. kind of wild goose chase, to, a wild goose chase to sort of find th- ways to cope and find things to make us happy. And so we're kind of always trying to manipulate our environments to, quote, unquote, make ourselves happy, to make our partner happy, um, you know, and, and, and it doesn't work that way. You know, we have mm-hmm. to kind of realize that our feelings are, are actually being triggered by the environment and not caused by it. And this is where the conversation, when you start talking about this stuff, you know, it, it's, it's necessary to kind of get clinical with these things mm-hmm. with people when you're really trying to get at it because it's how we're wired. You know, it's where we are really wired with this, 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 this projective, we're, we're, we're projecting that past experience onto the present moment and trying to make the present moment tie into that past to make it make sense to us um, as opposed to experiencing it in the present moment. I mean, that's kind of what it means when people say be mindful and be present is it's it, it let, let, let this new moment be, be its own. Quit putting uh-huh. everything from the past on, onto the present. And we do that. Um, it's a completely different framework though when we understand the, the sort of triggering thing that, the, that our partner's triggering um, 
something that is um, really a memory. It's, it's an emotional memory that comes up. And, and, and we have to understand that. We have to start with that. Because if we don't start with that, then we're going to not make sense of anything. And we're going to be, we're going to be shooting, you know, shooting in the dark uh, for answers. But, you know, if I have that perspective, I, c- I can begin to examine how I'm thinking and how mm-hmm. I'm behaving and, and how that's contributing to how I'm feeling. And then, you know, quite right. possibly, if, 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 I, if I put those things together and see how that's producing um, my experience, I can possibly begin to communicate that understanding to my partner who instead of feeling blamed is going to be open to listen and understand and then respond and support me as opposed to having to be on their own defensive um, posture, which, you know, as you know, is going to, is going to break down the conversation. Right. And it's, yeah, you just, you just get into that negative death spiral. <laughs> right. And, you know, but it's, you, right. And, and it's interesting because, because, and this is where you know, trauma comes into play and, and it can be little T trauma. I forget who I, I think it's Pia Melody who talks about little T trauma and big T trauma. And most people think yeah. of trauma as like, you know, going off to war, being in a really bad accident, you know, your child dying. I mean, you know, these big, these big T traumas versus, you know, and to me, I actually think this is a big T trauma, but most of us would think about it as, oh, this is just normal life of like not being listened to as a child. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, yeah. And that's, that's actually a trauma um, that people, you know, so, you know and, and, and of course everybody gets on, you know, comparing traumas. It's like, please don't compare traumas because our bodies respond to our own traumas, not somebody else's. And so that kind of comparison is, well, you know, at least, you know, this didn't happen to me. It's like, okay, I get that, but that doesn't mean that what happened to you was, wasn't traumatic for you. But right. that's where that trigger stuff comes in, is that what's being triggered are these, are these painful things from our past. And, and that's usually, you know, then, and then we have this emotional response to it, which then, of course, colors, you know, our thinking, I mean, you know, and anybody who thinks that, that doesn't happen, it's like, the, you know, the whole advertising industry is built on let me, let me trigger your feeling and then you're going to find my product to be the answer to that feeling. It's like, right. you know, it's like, it's like all cars have four wheels, a steering wheel, and, you know, brakes and gas. It's like, so why, so why is this car better than that one? Because that one's appealed to me emotionally. Um, you right. know, so, so this idea that, that somehow these things are all separate gets us into trouble, doesn't it? Absolutely. I mean, it's, 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 again, it's this, the past, I mean, it, it's a developmental thing. It, it's, so, it's so pre-conscious and pre, you know, pre-verbal in so many ways that we're, and we're so disconnected from that, um, from, from, from where this stuff all started, that it, we just have no idea. But, you know, when you're talking about big T's and little T's, you know, and, and I get what you mean, and it's, 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 a, it's a convenient way to categorize traumas, but really, um, it, you don't want to diminish anybody's really helpful. big... And, no, I mean, but you don't want to diminish anybody's really big traumas and compare it like, oh, I know, oh, I know how that feels. Like, no, you, you might not know how it feels to be sexually abused or, or physically abused every day of your life, you know, for for eight years. Mm-hmm. But it, it, that, you know, that's 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 a much different thing. But but it's more of a those big T's are more of, of just exponential versions of the wounds that that everybody does experience and relate to on some level, you know, okay. and the difference is how, how aware am I of it? If I, if I was abused like that and I'm now having significant problems with my mental health and my relationships and other things while I'm an adult, 
I almost I, I'm not I don't have the privilege of denying denying how bad my childhood was. Whereas a lot of people are just well, I know I, I had I had a great childhood. I, and it's like yes, and we're not trying to rip apart your parents or you know disrespect mm-hmm. them, but we do need to look at the fact that no one had a perfect childhood. No one comes out unscathed. No parents are perfect, therefore no parents can perfectly meet every single need and be responsive to every need that you had. And so you're going to come out with, with, with um, adaptations in, in how you view and see the world. Um, but again, fortunately, or unfortunately, I guess, you know, the, the universe um, doesn't, uh, does, doesn't allow us to not grow. You know, it doesn't allow uh-huh. us to ever plateau. We're either growing or we're, or we're kind of regressing, but we, we never really can plateau as we think we can. We think we can arrive uh-huh. somewhere. Um, and that's part of the problem is that that's part of the deception. And the reality of it is, is that we need to be engaging in growth constantly. And, and we get woken up to that by our relationships, by our struggles, by our failures, by those kind of things in life all over. And those things wake us up if we're willing to, um, to see what we're missing and to see what is, what is it telling me about myself? What is this frustration telling me about myself? And it's no more, pro- it's no more prominent anywhere else besides, I mean, I think, I think marriage is the most prominent place where that's at because nowhere else am I allowed to I, I'm, I'm, I should say I'm allowed to impose my boundaries and expectations in other places. If, if, I, don't, if I don't like talking to you or, ha- or you know, hanging out with mm-hmm. you, I, I can, can just not call yeah. you back. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And I, if I don't like my job, I can blame my boss, and, and, and I can say, you know what, this is not for me, and I can quit my job. Um, mm-hmm. but, when I, but when I'm in marriage, you know, suddenly I start getting confronted with these discomforts. I, I don't have that option, and most people do take that option, but, yeah. you know, but the reality of it is that they might not need to take that option because – because if they were to look at it through this growth mindset, they might they might be able to um, really see why they're there and why they're there that they're, they're there for a reason. Exactly. So one of the things before we wrap up, I want to ask because because you know, there's <laughs> it, it seems like feelings you, you, you love love them or hate them. I mean, they exist for a reason, but they either can have way too much. Uh, power or not enough, depending, because, I mean, there are a lot of people who just claim they don't have feelings. It's like, okay, well, that's not true. You may be out of touch with them, but you certainly do have them. So, but how can feelings be brought more into balance with thoughts and behaviors? It's not, not instead of, but in addition to. How do, we, how do we kind of rebalance the system? Yeah, so I think uh, the, the place to always start is to, uh, is to take that, is to take some pretty significant personal responsibility for how you're feeling in the first place. In other words, that, that framework of being able to view the, the trigger as, as, as just that, and that it's a trigger, you start with that, although it might feel personal uh, and deeply mm-hmm. personal, you realize that that's a learned way of thinking about it. And, and when you start getting into, okay, I'm responsible for my feelings, where's my need to grow? Where am I being challenged? It doesn't just show up in, in one place. It, it shows up everywhere if you're willing to look for it. So the, your, your core issues, you know, are typically not as complicated as you might think. They're just, it shows up everywhere. And so mm-hmm. when, you begin to see, when you begin to see the associations of that, you can begin to take responsibility. But once you know your, your need to grow, you can, automatically the framework changes and you can stop putting your, your, your frustrations or your, or your negative feelings on the environment. You can begin to say that this is me being challenged. Well, what does that mean? What does that mean I should do? And suddenly the interventions become dictated by your need to grow, not by some good idea given to you by a therapist or a book or anything else. Um, it begins to make sense. You know, so 
you know, once I had that perspective, I think it changes how you see everything. You know, suddenly you're in, you're in a winning battle because my satisfaction will no longer be dependent on getting lucky and like kind of finding the right person. You know, rather uh, it, it'll be based on my engagement and growth and willingness to take personal responsibility. So I, I won't have that need anymore to project my feelings onto my partner, um, who is, by the way, not capable of taking responsibility for them anyways. <laughs> and, and because they have their own need to do the same thing, you know, so it's right. not just about me in, in that aspect either. Um, and I just need to be willing to see that, that these feelings are more like memory systems that are being associated with the current stimuli in my environment. And, and it, it's really just a perspective, a perspective switch that allows me to self-examine. So feelings are the starting place because they pop up and I, and I can't deny them and, and, and they're always mm-hmm. valid, but they're not always like, they're not always right, and they're not always accurately placed on what's happening. Um, there are right. such things as overrea- overreactions and underreactions and things like that. I mean, that does happen. I mean, sometimes I feel anxious, and, I, and I'm, you know, people will come in, in for anxiety, and they'll talk about their life, and, I'm, and I look at them, and I'm like, you know, yeah, you probably should be anxious. I mean, those are real. You're actually having a healthy response to some really mm-hmm. anxious, and, anxious things. So sometimes your feelings are telling you the truth, um, but – but you really don't know that unless you're honed in on where you need to grow and what you're and where you need to grow is always, always hidden behind kind of what is frustrating you or what you're avoiding. And, and mm-hmm. people tend to have, a, have, have, have somewhat of, a, of an innate uh, sense of that. They just don't call it that. And once you kind of pinpoint that, they, they tend to be able to start to unravel their thinking and they start to see how they're acting in such a way, in other words, behaving in such a way that is reproducing a negative feeling cycle in their, in their own lives. And then they can take some personal control. So other than, other than um, listening to this show and, and contacting you, Elizabeth, how, how do we help people understand? Because, you know, there's, you know, there's, you know the whole romance um, just – and I'm not talking about romance novels, but I'm just talking about the whole concept about romance and soulmates and, you know, you complete me and, you know, um, you know, it never should be difficult. But somehow, somehow if, if being with you, if, if I'm uncomfortable being with you, then it's wrong. How do we, how do we change this? Because, you, you know, people, people are wanting to escape all the time. It's like, I, I don't want anything to be difficult. I, I, you know, I, I, just want, I just want life to be easy, but then we never learn anything. You know, how do we, how do we no. get this message? I mean, you know, it's like, it's like how do we counteract this, this idea that if, you know, that one, it doesn't have to be work, that it's actually, that it's, I mean, yes, I'm not going to say it's not difficult because anytime we have to confront our own issues, it's, it's not a fun thing, but, but it's how we become better. Yeah. How, how do we get them to yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, that, that's a great question because that's, that's such a big, it's such a big world we live in and, 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 the, and, Quite frankly, the world and, and social media and the way that we communicate and connect right now is is probably counterproductive to our to our very biology. So it really does work against mm-hmm. us. And we also live we live in the United States, and, and for better or worse, we have a lot of a lot of comforts that we take for granted. You know, the, the the business side of relationships is often totally neglected now because everything's about how I feel and because I can mm-hmm. take care of myself. And you know, we're not living on the farm in, in, in 1840 anymore, where I, I need to have you know, 15 kids and, and, and a wife, 
you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's like it does come down to feel, to feelings a lot. And so um, people have that ability to say, you know what, I don't like how I feel, and it's, it's whatever, it's that person or it's that job or whatever, so I can leave that. And they have that freedom to do that, and, and it's kind of a dangerous thing because what you find is you're running from yourself. And so, you know, other than this, other than this and, 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 and kind of, you know, having conversations like this, um, coming and finding therapists, I think, I think the message needs to be that people, you know, need to find uh, third parties. I think, I think counselors yeah. and coaches are out there, and it's necessary. It's necessary for a lot of reasons to have a third party um, engage with you in your relationship. Not full-time therapy all the time, but, you know, you have to overdo it, but you do mm-hmm. need somebody that has an objective third eye looking at your situation and helping you um, with that. In the same token, you do need somebody who is, who is trained and experienced and does relationships as sort of a focal point, I think, as well, because my, my field is, is loaded with people who, on their list of, of specialties, they say they do, you know, couples mm-hmm. and relationships. And it's just like, they but, but they're really just general, general practitioners. And that's, that's, that's mm-hmm. not fair to people who are coming in looking for a, looking for a, a good, a good um, to get a microscope on their, on their dynamics, which is really what the issue is. It's a dynamic issue. Right. Well, and then that's a perfect segue because I want you to share where people can find you and, and anything else you would like to let people know. Yeah. I mean, um, I'm in Chicago, Illinois. I, you know, I do operate a private practice and I do have clients that I do, you know, do Skype and, and uh, Zoom with um, all over, actually all over the, the world now. But, um, mm-hmm. but my, my website is, uh, is, is very, um, I, I don't tend to my website enough as much as I should, but my website is relationshipperspectives.com. Um, and that's probably the best way to contact me through email. It'll go right to my direct email. Um, uh-huh. And other than that, you know, Facebook, Twitter, uh, my Medium account where I, I try to post a, a couple times a week and write articles related to this kind of stuff, uh, relationships uh-huh. and trauma and things of that nature. So, um, yeah, that's, that's the best place. And I'm always open and, and, and fairly responsive when it comes to emails and, um, and, and getting a hold of me is pretty easy. Terrific. So what I want you guys to take away is that feelings are just one aspect of your life, although they are an important aspect. But allowing them free reign can present as much difficulty as never acknowledging them at all. And yes, love is a feeling, but it's also behavior. And acting in a loving way creates a loving relationship. It might challenge you at times. In fact, if you're in, a, if you're in the relationship that you should be in, it should challenge you more often than not. So try it. You actually might like it. And hopefully you found this show helpful and you'll keep listening. And until next week, stay loving.